Please pray with me. Father, give us ears to hear your word this morning. And through the power of your Holy Spirit, work in each of us that which is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Someone once said, our children are the future of the church. That's a true statement. Wouldn't you agree? If there are no children in the church, eventually the church will die. The church needs children. I was reminded of this when someone sent me a story recently about a little boy named Johnny. Johnny's mother looked out the window and noticed that Johnny was playing church with his cat. The cat was sitting there quietly and Johnny was preaching to the cat. The mom smiled and went back to her work. A little while later, she hears loud meowing and hissing and she runs back to the window and looks outside only to see that Johnny is baptizing the cat. (laughs) She was baffled and she said, Johnny, stop that. The cat is afraid of water. And little Johnny looked up at her and said, well, he should have thought of that before he joined my church. I'm thankful for the children in the church, aren't you? For the children in our church. We have a lot of children in our church, and I'm thankful for them. And you know what? We have more on the way. We, we have a rose on our pulpit this morning celebrating the, the birth of Lucy Catherine Jordan. We had a rose on the pulpit last week, and we will have a rose on the pulpit next week. And, and uh, we have had any number of roses this spring and this summer celebrating the birth of children into the, uh, the lives of the members of our congregation. Our children are the future of the church. That's a true statement. And yet, while that is a true statement, I want to suggest to you this morning that that's not the whole picture. You see, I think that Jesus would say that that children are the future of the church, but I think he would also say that children are not only the future of the church, children are the church now, along with adults. You see, the witness of Scripture is that Jesus loves the little children, and he includes them in his kingdom. This morning, you and I need to hear this word of God to us as if our very lives depend on it. Because you know what? They do. Our mindset toward children says a lot about how we ourselves receive the kingdom of God. And Jesus is very clear about how each one of us must receive the kingdom of God if we hope to enter it. Look with me again at this brief but oh so important text. Mark ten thirteen to 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, He was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, he put his hands on them, and he blessed them. Now I look at this story and I think, why would the disciples rebuke those who are bringing children to Jesus? Why would they have such a strong response? That seems kind of strange, at least on the face of things. 
I mean, there were always crowds of people pressing in on Jesus, always people trying to get to him to be healed or to be blessed. Why then would the disciples have such a problem with with regular folks who are bringing their children to Jesus for a simple blessing? I mean, isn't that what preachers and politicians are supposed to do? You know, shake hands and kiss babies, that sort of thing? Well, Mark offers us a little bit of background on what's going on here in the chapters leading up to this passage. Back in chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus began to teach his disciples that the kingdom would be radically different from what they were expecting. He told them that he was going to suffer, that he was going to be rejected by the religious and the political establishment, and that ultimately he was going to suffer and die and then rise again after three days. The disciples didn't get it, and they didn't really seem to want to hear it. In chapter 9, verses 9 and 10, on their way down the mountain after the the transfiguration of Jesus, Jesus again spoke to them of his death and resurrection, and they still didn't get it. And again in chapter 9, verses 30 and 32, we see Jesus teaching his disciples that he would be betrayed, killed, and he would then rise after three days. But they still didn't get it. Mark records these three instances for us. I imagine that Jesus spoke to the disciples on numerous occasions about this, but the disciples just didn't get it. See, they continued to think of Christ's kingdom in terms of their own preconceived notions. Jesus taking power, throwing out the Romans, and and restoring the nation of Israel to greatness, perhaps. Whatever their ideas, they didn't include a suffering Savior. They were ideas about power, position, and prestige. Which is why we find them arguing in chapter 9, verses 33 and 34, about which of them was the greatest. Each of the disciples wanted to be the greatest, and so each of them were arguing their case. They were staking their claim, defending their reasons for why they were the greatest. We do the same thing, don't we? We may not always be quite that blatant about it, but deep down within many of us, there's a desire to to look out for number one. We want to rise to the top. We want to be better than others. We're very concerned about our reputation, and we want others to acknowledge and, and respect our superior gifts, talents, and abilities. It's not so surprising, really, Uh, given the fact that that's the way of the world, uh, the way our culture shapes and forms us from the time we're kids and throughout most of our lives. But that's not the way of Christ. Those who follow Christ must be shaped and formed by Christ and not by the values and standards of the world. So what was Jesus' response to his disciples in their argument about who was the greatest? It's recorded in 9, 35 to 37. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child and had him stand among them. Taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Now this lesson should have been crystal clear to the disciples. In the Roman world of the first century, children were considered to have very little worth. 
they were not highly valued like they are in our culture today, uh, where our children receive lots of attention and sometimes even run our lives. No one paid special attention to little children in the ancient world. They were essentially worthless. They were too young and weak to do any real labor, and they couldn't contribute anything to the family income. For all intents and purposes, children were a liability until they were old enough to do meaningful work. Children in that day were often neglected, abused, or ignored by others in the grown-up world. And so for Jesus to take a small, helpless, weak little child in in, in his arms and say that welcoming a little child is the same as welcoming the father... That should have been a major clue to the disciples that Christ's kingdom is very different from what they were expecting. At the very least, it should have caused them to seek an explanation from Jesus. What do you mean by this, Lord? They didn't understand, but they were afraid to ask. But you know, we are not always so different from these disciples, are we? It's easy for us to miss this lesson too. In order to, or in our zeal to gain status and position and prestige, we, like the disciples, tend to operate with the mindset that for us to be greater, somebody else has to be lesser. And so it becomes a competition of sorts. Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove puts it in economic terms. He says this, in a zero-sum economy, becoming great means making someone else small. But that's not how it works in God's economy. The kingdom of God is not a zero-sum world. Jesus taught that in God's kingdom, those who are small are important. In God's kingdom, those who are least really matter to God. And in God's kingdom, those who want to be great must become the servant of all. But the disciples didn't get it. And they didn't really want to hear it. And so when people were bringing their children to Jesus to have him place his hands on them and bless them, the disciples shooed them away. They saw no purpose or value in Jesus spending time with children. They thought his kingdom should focus on important people. They saw the children as an interruption, an annoying distraction, a delay to achieving their ambitions. Look in verse 14 at how Jesus responds. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Indignant. Wow, now that's a strong word. That's a word that's very rarely used in connection with Jesus. Jesus was more than just a little upset here. He was downright angry. Why was he so angry? Well, I think he was angry for a few reasons. One, I think he was angry because his disciples were publicly rejecting the instructions he had so recently given them. Second, I think he was angry because the disciples took it upon themselves to be the gatekeepers, so to speak, of those who could have access to Jesus and those who couldn't. And third, I think he was angry and probably hurt because the disciples continued to miss the spirit of what the kingdom was about. After all his instructions, after all their many conversations, after all the time they had spent with Jesus, 
they still didn't know his heart. They still didn't understand or want to hear for that matter the truth that Jesus came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus was stern with them. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. He let them know in no uncertain terms that God loves children and has a special place for them in his heart. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. But then he takes it a step further and gives them a strong word of warning. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Never enter it? Really? That's a mighty strong statement. Yes, that is a strong statement. But you know what? These are the very words of Jesus himself. So we'd all better sit up and listen because Jesus is giving us a warning that directly impacts our eternal destiny. So what does it mean to receive the kingdom of God like a little child? I think it means that we must humble ourselves and become little before God without reputation, status, or position. Both in how we receive Christ and in how we daily live with Christ. I think Jesus is speaking of the fact that we can't earn our salvation. We can't earn favor with God. Jesus is basically telling us here that any rank, status, or position, or prestige that we may have will not earn us any favor or status with God at all. Our gifts, our talents, our abilities, however grand they may be, are completely insufficient to gain us entrance into the kingdom of God. Salvation is a gift. It's not something that we earn or deserve, and we must simply receive it as weak, helpless, completely dependent little children. Think back to your very earliest identity. This might be hard for some of us. Before you were anything else, you were a little child. Do you remember what that was like? Before the world taught you to find your identity in other things, you were a small child. Before you were a cool teenager, you were a child. Before you were an athlete, you were a child. Before you were a musician, you were a child. Before you were a builder or an electrician or a doctor or a lawyer, you were a child. Before you were a professor or a pastor or a missionary or a teacher, you were a child. You were helpless and completely dependent on your parents to provide for your every need. This really becomes a matter of simple trust because as little children, we have no leverage, no bargaining power, nothing to bring to the table. Little children really don't have much choice except to trust those who care for them. And for the most part, little children trust easily. They just kind of expect to be loved and cared for. 
See, they haven't been around long enough to know that some people are not trustworthy. Tragically, as we all know, many little children find that out all too quickly. That there are some people who simply are not trustworthy. They're betrayed, abused, neglected, or ignored by those who are supposed to love them and care for them. And the more they experience that kind of betrayal, the more they learn to distrust others. Maybe that's the case for some of you here this morning. Maybe for some of you, you were betrayed as a child, and trust is hard to give. Maybe you were betrayed by your parents or by some others. And you find that simple trust is really not so simple. I don't know your story, but I do know this. Your earthly parents or other important adults in your life may have given you good reason not to trust them. But God is a loving father who will never give you a reason not to trust him. He will never leave you or forsake you. When we come to Christ, we must come to him as little children. In the words of Augustus Toplady, In my hand no price I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. The kingdom of God belongs to those who approach God like little children, helpless, weak, totally dependent, and trusting him to care for them. And I think that this humble, childlike attitude must be ongoing in our relationship with Jesus. I think part of what Jesus is saying is that that we must daily live like little children in relationship with him and others in order to enter the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God can be defined as God's rule, or wherever God's rule is followed and wherever his will is done. It's both a present reality and a future hope. And I think Jesus is saying that those who are concerned with greatness or status rather than with humble service are not submitting to the rule of God, are not following his will, and therefore are not able to enter the kingdom of God. They may profess to be followers of Jesus and they may be in the church, but unless they repent and receive the kingdom of God like a little child, they will not ultimately enter the kingdom of God. Jesus was indignant with his disciples because they were concerned with who was the greatest. They were interested in achieving status and power more than serving others in Jesus' name. They didn't get the fact that in God's kingdom, those who want to be great must become the servant of all. People of no reputation at all. Like little children. And so if we want to be part of God's kingdom... We need to give up the idea that we have any rights, any importance, any status at all before God. We have to repent of our worthiness and become like little children. We must become people of no reputation, humble servants. I love how Jesus responds to the little children who come to him. I love his tenderness. He's so gentle and kind. Verse 16 says, and he took the children in his arms and he put his hands on them and he blessed them. What a beautiful picture of God's grace. That is how God receives us 
when we come to him like little children. Our worthiness, our reputation, our status, our abilities, all of those things will never earn us a place in the kingdom of God. That's a strong word of warning for us. But when we lay those things aside, when we humble ourselves and come to God like helpless little children, he will receive us with arms wide open. You see, Jesus is all about grace, undeserved, unmerited favor with God. And so there are two questions for us this morning. Are we helping to bring the children to Jesus or are we hindering them from coming? And secondly, are we receiving the kingdom of God like a little child? The answer to the first question, I think, depends in large part on the answer to the second. See, if we're receiving the kingdom of God like a little child, there will be plenty of room in our hearts for children and plenty of room in the church for children. They will be important to us because they are important to God. If we're concerned about our own privilege and status, then the needs of children probably won't be high on our list of priorities, either personally or in the church. So I want you to think this morning of the children you know. How are you helping them to come to Christ? How might you be hindering them from coming to Christ? Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. You see, children aren't just the future of the church. Children are the church right now. Jesus loves the children. And that includes you and me. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word this morning. We pray that you would enable us through the power of your spirit to lay aside our ambitions, our desires for greatness, and to come empty-handed and humbly before you like weak, helpless little children without status or reputation. And we thank you for the truth that you will receive us with open arms. And we'll give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.